Welcome to our interview segment that is called Raw Positivity. And I am very excited to introduce you an amazing person um, whom I found out through Instagram, Brandon Mao. So uh, can you please tell about your health journey, Brandon, during your childhood? Let's start from the, you know, from the beginning and we'll just go up, up, up and up. So, um, sure. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I had a relatively normal childhood. I was just diagnosed as a type one diabetic at the age of three. Um, so I don't remember much about it, except that I had to start doing insulin injections and testing my blood. And I pretty much, um, with the help of my parents, lived life around, like, that was just part of life. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a normal thing, and it was never made a big deal. Okay, so, um, did you, so you didn't have any obstacles, um, like, mentally when you, when you were having diabetes 1 uh, during your childhood? So you were absolutely fine, like... Mentally, you had support from your family, but it wasn't like a big deal, right? Yeah, it like, it, um, I didn't know anyone else that had diabetes. I, I grew up in a small farming town on a ranch, and it was one of those things where uh, I had my family, and that's that's just what we did. like whatever needed to be done we mm. got through it mm -hmm. and so when diabetes came around it was just like okay well here's what we have to do here's what happens we have to uh, take extra food and juice everywhere i go and all my diabetic supplies but other than that i was able to live a normal childhood with having to do everything with diabetes so it, there were no complications no hospitalizations mm -hmm. um, like nothing out of the ordinary besides just being uh, insulin dependent, diabetic, mm -hmm. having to control the blood sugars. And I know also that um, you've got like several degrees when you already become a young adult, you've got several degrees, you, you're like mm -hmm. working really hard, right? Yeah, uh, just as an adult? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as an adult, um, my family sold our business and I went to school and I became a high school teacher mm -hmm. and then I went on to law school and did law and then that's kind of when I and I never had any complications or anything um, with diabetes until then and then it wasn't until my late 20s when I started having just random things happened to me uh, health-wise that were just out of the blue and for no reason and that's kind of where all of my control mm -hmm. over my disease stopped it was like no matter what I did nothing was working mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, so in the midst of everything in the midst of working and trying to live life and enjoy life it, I, I was struggling um, because I couldn't control my blood sugars anymore. Oh, wow. So what eventually 
happened that kind of changed um, your life. Yep. Yeah. So uh, what what eventually happened was we did some kidney surgeries mm -hmm. because I had a kidney stone, thinking mm -hmm. that that would help, mm -hmm. and the, uh, my kidney never re like resuscitated it never really healed it never really did anything so after seven surgeries they removed my my left kidney oh my yeah. so like as a diabetic you already have kidney damage even if you're well controlled and it was to a point where yeah, it kept turning uh, septic so they just had to remove it mm. so they removed it and uh, then I had what is known as brittle diabetes with hypoglycemia unawareness which means that no matter what you eat no matter what medication you take no matter how little bit of insulin you have you have no control over your blood sugar and your body can't break down food correctly it can't deliver the medication and that's when things started going downhill for me health-wise because just for an example like let's say i was just talking to you like this i would go from being completely normal to suddenly being completely out of it and just sitting here uh with a blank stare on my face not being able to respond to something because mm -hmm. there wasn't enough sugar in my body to fuel it so it would slowly shut down my brain wow that's and, and the doctors um and all the specialists and everybody couldn't figure out what was the direct cause. All they knew is that I was in a really dire situation that was gonna lead to death. Oh, wow. So um, eventually you, um, so I've read that when you were writing on your website that you had to um, go and do a surgery another surgery yeah so after trying every different type of treatment to help with the brittle diabetes because for uh, 28 29 years I was a well-controlled diabetic you there was no issues life was great and then all of a sudden I had no control mm -hmm. uh, I had been found dead twice. I kept having people, I'd be passed out at work. They would, the paramedics kept coming. Doctors didn't know what to do. And then one doctor finally suggested that the way to reset my body would be to get a organ transplant. Mm -hmm. And it's the pancreas that controls all of that. And uh, type one diabetics pancreas no longer work. Um, some of them do to a little bit of a degree, but for the most part, it does not produce the insulin or the enzymes or the things to break down and distribute food accordingly. So the theory was that if I had a pancreas transplant, that would be able to reset my body and it would work normally. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of where I was left. That was my last, my last option and where I was left off um, oh, wow. to figure out get a pancreas only transplant. Um, so, and of course, you decided to fight. Absolutely, right? There, there were no other options. There were no other options. 
Um, the doctor also told me I had less than two years to live if I if I kept on the same path that I was going, which I didn't have a choice. She was like, "There's nothing, there's nothing you can do. Your body is is too damaged from what's going on. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that that we can do about it. And the next low blood sugar you sugar you have could be the one that that causes you death. And so you better beg, borrow, and steal." To make this transplant happen, and the issue with the transplant, with the pancreas-only transplant, is that here in the United States, under the Affordable Care Act, it's considered an optional coverage. So insurances, most insurances, do not cover that transplant because it's an optional one that they don't have to. Oh my God! Isn't that crazy that they don't、yeah. give you that option? Oh, wow. It's not an option.、Um, so basically, you need you know, to find yourself、um, financially. You gotta help yourself to do everything. Yeah. So I sued the insurance company. I tried to get everyone involved that I could、um, legally, and it all came back down to, according to the law. Uh, this is an optional coverage, and we choose not to cover it. And I thought, you know,、um, under insurance, they say we'll cover medically necessary things, and and、um, so they said, while we agree that this is something medically necessary, it's in one of the exceptions. So the only option that I had was to pay cash for the transplant,、mm-hmm. and so it was at a point where. Was told that it would be two hundred fifty thousand dollars upfront, and it would cover all costs for the transplant and the hospital stay. And when they had that money, they would then consider me, or when I had proof that I had the money in in my bank account or to give them, then they would consider me for a transplant. So here I am, being told I needed to come up with two hundred fifty thousand dollars when I. Can barely get out of bed, and、uh, sick as a dog. Only the only reason why I'm leaving house is the house is to go see doctors, and now I have to figure out how to come up with two hundred fifty thousand dollars after just graduating law school and not being able to work. Wow! Did they give you a time limit? Or no? No.、Nope. Whenever, whenever I could come up with it,、mm-hmm. uh, they would consider me as a candidate. It wasn't a guarantee. It was a consideration,、um, but I was working against time. Exactly. That, that you you had your own time that you had to. Yeah. Race. Yeah.、Um, so it was like it was like、mm-hmm. daily. It was that that daily struggle of well, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it for me to try to do this if I'm just going to die tomorrow or die today? And I kind of decided that it was. Worth the effort because I have I had so much life to to still want to live, and that was kind of like the motivating factor. How how did you keep yourself motivated through those like tough days while you were like looking for financial support? What what was pushing you? So I looked at it a lot as. Uh, an impossible obstacle course,、mm-hmm. 
And there was no way that I'd be able to do it on my own. And so the way that I had to do it was ask people for help. And when I did that, I went from fighting this battle alone that I had fought for quite a while with nobody knowing to going against everything I believed in personally, because I always took care of myself. I always had enough money to live. I, I always did everything I needed to, to now needing the help of others, not only to watch me and to make sure that I was okay, but now to help, help me raise $250,000. And so because of this like impossible task, going through this obstacle course, what motivated me every day, motivated me every day is that people were there along with me to support me. Okay. And um, so what about your family? Obviously, I'm pretty sure your family was like a great support for you. Right. Yep. My family was a really great support mm -hmm. um, and they always have been, but they lived in California and I was living in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. That's where I went to school and that's where I was working. And the only transplant hospital that would take me on as a patient because I was a high, I am a high risk patient because I only had one kidney. I had hypoglycemia unawareness and, uh, so it like in terms of success of surgery and all that kind of stuff it all has to be taken in consideration because they only work on on successful patients mm -hmm. and uh the mayo clinic which is in arizona was the only one the only hospital that would take me on um if i could come up with that cash so i had to stay in arizona mm -hmm. while i was trying to figure everything out mm -hmm. so it was there was a lot of contact with people over the phone i had to get a roommate to make sure that uh, things were kept um, kept an eye on me i had a diabetic alert dog to help alert me and if i was like unconscious the dog would go find the roommate to inform the roommate that something was wrong it was really just like a matter of survival even though i had an, an amazing support system i was just surviving okay yeah, this is this is really hard, but you know you kept going through it, and um, so you went public um, about your story, right? So you could get that financial support from people. Is that right? Yeah. So when I was a teacher, I had when I was in college and stuff, I had social media. Mm -hmm. Then when I became a teacher. Um, the students would find me online and stuff like that and that wasn't appropriate and at that time we didn't have uh like you know how today you can kind of like privatize things you can you can put it on like request only and, right. and stuff like that but the time like facebook for example didn't have any of that so it was like okay i'm just deleting it all so i had i didn't have social media and i wasn't people only knew that I like was living in Arizona and went to school. They didn't know all the, the issues that I was having um, health wise and the struggles and all of the crazy things. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and I had to raise the $250,000 and I couldn't do it alone. I couldn't take out student loan. I mean, any more loans 
um, because I had student loans. I didn't have any property. I could sell my car for a couple thousand dollars. I couldn't work to raise the money. So I was left at a point where I had to ask people for money in a public way because that was the only way to get enough people um, to help me if it would even work. And so I wrote a letter. I first sent it to, to family and friends. Um, and then after that, my roommate who had done fundraising before kind of put a GoFundMe, uh, I, like, GoFundMe I, page, right? There is like GoFundMe a... page mm-hmm. together. And she started spreading it on social media. And then it went crazy to like everybody's friends and then all kinds of people were calling me and, and, you know, and telling me that they were praying for me, that they're thinking for me, that like anything I need, please ask. And in three months, I raised the $250,000. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's got domino effect in a good way, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. So... Uh, how did it help you you said that it helped you mentally that actually you were thinking you were alone but then when you started uh, putting it out there it actually helped you to go through it right yeah it was like I had to become vulnerable and like take that risk mm-hmm. and it ended up working in my favor and even though I was alone I really wasn't Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think that that's with just a lot of times you feel alone, but we really aren't. I think it's important to start speaking up, getting it out there. And then yeah. there is always somebody and someone who can definitely help you. Yeah, I agree with that. It's about not being embarrassed. Mm-hmm or ashamed of what you're going through and just making it known to people that there are certain needs you need. And some people are going to scoff and some people are going to be rude about it, but some people are going to stand up for you and be there for you and help you. And had I not done that, I would not be alive right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, um, There's so much negativity going on, especially nowadays, but I am 100% sure that there's more compassionate people rather than those who don't care. Like, this is, you know, it was proved many times to me through different kinds of stories. Yeah, I agree. It's, there's, It's not heard of very often, but when you do kind of get to know people and stuff like that, you see it a lot Mm -hmm. in people's lives. And 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 I think that just us as people in general, we see a lot of the negative and it's hard to see past that. But past all the negative is a lot of good. It's a lot of good. I I agree. How is your health now? How do you feel now? So I'm a year and uh, eight months post transplant, mm-hmm. and I feel good mentally. I I feel great. I want to conquer the world. I 
feel like I lost out on so much time that there are many things I need to make up for. Mm -hmm. And I try to do that just by going and doing the simple things. Um, And uh, physically, I have side effects from the surgeries. Mm -hmm. I have side effects from medication. I was a diabetic for 31 years. And those come that comes with complications and so i'm still dealing with all of that stuff health wise so i like i feel good but there are side effects that i have to deal with and illnesses i have to manage and uh, chronic things that won't go away and it, it's i'm going to more doctor's appointments now than i ever have before mm-hmm. but it's um, to manage kind of what I'm going through as opposed to it being like, oh, it, like it, it, like instead of it being like out of pain, this is just, this is a quality of life thing. And as new things come up, I want to treat it because I've been given this second chance at life and nothing is going to stop me from enjoying it. And that's kind of like the opinion that I have. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And definitely mentally, that's much easier now knowing that, you know, you have a second chance, you, you live your life to the fullest. And I've, I've seen those Instagram posts that you're doing like incredible things that um, you're just just a regular person who lives like everyday life probably won't even do, <laughs> you know, but you do those things like you go to camping trips and you you do a lot of things um which which is amazing because you know i agree life is only one given to us and we need to get as much as possible from it um have your life priorities shifted after what happened to you or you've been always like focused on um um giving yourself like good things to do in life or it shifted after words it so everything my entire life and all my perspective on life changed Mm -hmm. the moment i needed to become vulnerable and ask for help because my thought and theory and belief was that nobody on earth would care about me or even want to help me in any way and that got disproven really quickly and it kind of showed me that even though i had been working so hard for my life to move up in the world to make more money to do better to have nicer things it just showed me that that wasn't worth it what is worth it is life and quality of life and quality doesn't mean possessions quality means enjoyment so it really like simplified my life a lot and made it to the point where i'm just happy to be alive i wake up in the morning and that's a gift and then i can choose that day depending on how i'm feeling because some days you know aren't perfect um but I can choose that day if I want to do something extra or and it's not about like going and doing so much like fun activities mm-hmm. it's just about going and enjoying life going on a hike and just looking at nature and 
um, looking out over the mountains and, and seeing the towns below and just thinking about how many people there are on this earth and everyone's story. Like, there's so much involved now where before it was about me and my life and what I was doing and how I could better myself. And now it's more that people have invested in me mm-hmm. and it has given me a different type of value system uh, with why I'm in the world and what I'm doing. And so it's it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. And it's, it's an amazing feeling to feel. I'm yes. Sure. Wow. Um, so you have also an amazing friend and you just mentioned it not long ago while we were talking. Um, mm-hmm who has four legs <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and his name is Boone, right? Boone, yep. Boone. Okay. So um, he is a service dog. So he helped you um, on the way to recovery pretty much, right? Yes. So when I start first having, started first having the low blood sugars, it was a situation where my blood sugar would go from normal, mm-hmm. which is like in the er, uh, low hundreds to low, which usually is below 60, but my low would be 20. Oh, wow. And it's, you're not functional at all. And that would happen within one minute. And the issue is that when you test your blood or you're wearing one of the monitors on your body, it's a little bit delayed. Mm-hmm. So when you're crashing at, in one minute, the machines are testing your blood because it's you're not doing it constantly, can't catch it. Whereas a diabetic alert service dog is live time. And the moment your body chemistry changes, they can smell it. So they feel and it though they smell it. They can smell it. Oh, wow. That's what they're that's what they're changed on. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, trained on. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, my diabetic alert dog Boone would come up to me and paw my leg, just paw it, paw it, paw it, paw it. That's what he was trained to do, telling me, "Hey, you have a low blood sugar coming on." Oh, wow. And if I would test my blood at that time, it would read normal in the low hundreds, and then I would eat and drink a juice and I would test my blood again maybe 10 minutes later and my blood sugar would be very very low so he would tell me before it could even be read and I would have already taken care of it and by that time I didn't have to pass out yeah he would wake me up in the in the middle of the night by scratching the bed or jumping on the bed it was just an amazing creature that was trained very well, perfectly behaved, and saved my life countless times. It, that, and having him also, what gave me a purpose every day to get up and do things, to feed him, to take him out, to give me something else to focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was, he was definitely a lifesaver. So just, uh besides the health issue he was helping you mentally as well it was like a huge support for you 
Well, this exactly. Is, this is amazing. I mean, I could, I could never. I knew that dogs are looking for people when it's an earthquake, but like doing something on that level, wow, that's just mind blowing. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad he's with you. He, he, you have him. It's just amazing. Oh, I, I am very glad too. Yeah, and, and there's like diet, like service dogs are very hard to get. They're very expensive. Mm -hmm. There's a high need for them. Insurance doesn't cover them. You have to you have to pay cash. So, it's one of those things where not everybody has a, a access to them, and they need them. And and so, um. I think that I'm I'm fortunate because I started my Instagram page. I because post transplant, a lot of people wanted to know what was going on, like how I was doing, how I was healing, and I couldn't keep up with all the text messages and calls and stuff like that. So finally, I was like, okay, I'm putting it on Instagram, right? And uh, that's when I found out that there aren't that many people. Who know about pancreas-only transplants? There are a lot of people struggling with their blood sugars. Mm -hmm. Their um, service dogs are needed by a lot of people, and so it kind of provided me an opportunity to raise awareness by it through my story. And so that's kind of like through those things is how I ended up on Instagram and like you finding me <laughs> because I can share my story. And help raise awareness with help like you.、Mm -hmm. Absolutely.、Um, and then other people are just know about it and can help、um, somebody if they if they know about them or if they see them with the, with a service dog. You know, they just know how much effort goes goes into that. Or if someone says they're diet diabetic, how good or how bad that might be, because nothing is the same for everybody. Yeah, that's that's、uh, absolutely you know amazing that we actually met and you know I I don't know who found first who, <laughs> but、um, I'm glad that you know I'm、uh, being like a little part、um, and participating in it so people are going to be aware.、Um, so I'm I'm happy to spread it out so people know.、Um, That there is information about it, so、um, there is actually some organizations that you are involved with,、um, mm -hmm. like、um, Chronic Love Club. So, does it really help people? Does it support? What does it do? Yeah, so there's two that I am involved in because I really like what they do, and.、Um, So the one is Chronic Love Club. They have a website. They're on Instagram, and they support people with chronic illnesses by sharing their stories, by by posting positive messages,、um, by connecting people with all different sorts of illnesses together. And it's pretty neat because you can find other people who have this the same diagnosis as you, where. There's no other way to kind of find that, and, and so it's a really it's a really neat、uh, page because people go on there and share their stories and get to find other people who are similar to them and make friends. And so I really think that that 
for me, having that online community is huge because after I figured out that it's important to be a part of a community, like when I got sick, I was like, okay, like how can, how, what can I, like, how can I help now? How can I get involved? And so Chronic Love Club is definitely one of those. Wow. So it's uh, chroniclifeclub.com, right? The website? Yeah, chroniclifeclub.com. Yeah, or just Chronic Love Club mm -hmm. on Instagram. And so, and another one is Life Bulb. Yep, Life Bulb, like L-Y-F-E, Life, like Life Bulb. Mm -hmm. And they get a bunch of people together from all different walks of life and, and do a very similar thing. But it's a little bit more study-based and um scientific mm -hmm. um and they provide helpful information and they do things uh they have events and they connect people and i've met a lot of uh diabetics and transplant people through them and stuff like that and so that it was a that was a really nice organization to find and be a part of as well that's a huge support absolutely yeah yeah uh well you've had quite a journey um but i know that you put it up all together in a book that's yep. great so uh can you tell a little bit about it when it's coming out um what we would expect in it reading it absolutely so <laughs> My, the book has been written and has been ready to be released mm -hmm. and then COVID hit. And the, like, the point of the book is to raise awareness of diabetes, service animals, um, uh, organ donation, all of those types of things. And I need to be able to go and speak to people uh, to do that. So the book is like the platform for me to do that. So it, it has not been released yet. It's ready. It's ready to go. Um, and hopefully it will come out in 2021. I'm thinking summer. Um, and then it, it's, it's, it's about like my childhood growing up with diabetes and all the crazy things that I went through and all the crazy surgeries and what it's like to get listed um, for an organ and the process you have to go through like it, it's kind of, it's it's a more fun take on it's like stories about my life that kind of have gotten me to to the point where i'm at and so people can expect to be motivated and to find a lot of relatable things just because oftentimes we feel very alone and it's neat to hear and read about different aspects of people's lives that are very similar. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna be a huge help. So I really, I am really with, within, you know, my deep heart wishing you that it's gonna be released really soon. So you can, yeah, yeah so we can help more people even. Um, so what are your plans in the near future? What do you maybe like something to do that you haven't done yet? Right now, I have no set goal for a future because I really don't know. I'm not certain what I want to do. I'm not certain what is going to happen. I've been in organ rejection twice. Um, 
We still haven't gotten my medication dosing correct. It changes every time I do blood work, so about every two weeks. So I'm in a, I'm kind of in a state of limbo with my health, and so that kind of prevents me from like really making plans because I don't know if I'll end up in the hospital uh, with rejection or. I don't have an immune system. If I get a cold or the flu, I, like there's a lot of things that can go wrong.、Mm-hmm. And so, but in the future, future, like when I kind of get past this point,、um, I really, I, I would love to work in policy with politics to change laws that include the different types of transplants that are not covered. I really want to inform people about all the different aspects with chronic illness.、Um, share how helpful service dogs are, and uh, uh, and who knows? Maybe I'll go back to teaching. Maybe I'll go back to law. All of that is an option, but I'm not making any specific plans until I know that I am good to go and that I can go and do something full time. Well, so for right now, it's just、um, taking it taking it at short day by day, day. By day short periods of times. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Well, I you know I have usually a good feeling about people, so I feel that you're gonna be good. You're gonna be very good. Like, <laughs> Thank you. I you know, hope so. You know why? Because you know、um, your determination and your positivity, it plays so much into. Just staying physically healthy. So, and you're such a strong person.、Um, I do believe everything is going to be very well with you. I, I really well, do. Well, thank you. I, I I hope so too. It's not given up yet. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, you have huge support by many many people. So, you you know, just keep on going. Yeah.、Um, exactly. Keep on kicking. Keep keep on kicking. Uh, where people can find you, so they would maybe will need your support. Who knows? Maybe you can give、yeah. some positive、uh, feedback to them,、um, or they can follow you.、Uh, where they can find you? Yeah. So I answer every message, every comment. Like I, I get contacted about all kinds of things a lot, and so、um, you can like basically my home base is. BrandonMao.com, and my last name is spelled M for Mary O U W Mao. So BrandonMao.com, and there's there's information on there and、um, things like that. And then if you want to know more about like my daily life and like what I go through, every po- every post is kind of like a little blog post that's motivational and, and about my life. That's on Instagram, and that's Brandon Mao official. And feel free to message me or contact me on any of those because I am I I am here for ev- everyone else. I wouldn't be here if everyone else wasn't here for me. And so this is a way for me to give back.、Um, that's that's amazing. So people, listen up. <laughs> He is here for you to help you too. Um, so, and my last question to you would be: What would be your advice to people who maybe are about to give up hope and they don't know how to、um, go on?、Um, what would you say to them?
reach out to somebody and if that and ask for help if that somebody can't help you reach out to a, a wider audience find a community to be a part of that can help offer support because that is what it gives you a reason and something to look forward to every day when you are a part of a community and that's why like chronic love club and life bulb and all and, and things like that are so helpful because there's always something good that that is posted on there and you feel a part of it so reach out it, it's okay it, it's okay if you're not feeling good or you're having a bad day or you want to give up that's okay just don't do it reach out reach out for help first absolutely all right well thank you so much for incredible um interview um you know i feel honored to have you on my podcast and you know i will be happy if that podcast will help um some people who who need our help who need your help so let's hope for that and i wish you um all the best uh good luck in everything you do and tons of health that's gonna come upon you i'm telling you right back at you and i really appreciate it thank you so much thank you so much take care and um thank you and we'll come back soon um to our new episode in about two weeks all right take care everyone bye bye